365 Success app offers a simple daily tip for a more balanced life. 365 Success is a one-year plan over six levels where a new tip is displayed each day. The people behind 365 Success are academic and creative life hackers Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, Dr. Graham Hughes and Marie O'Riordan. Discover 365 Success, available now in the App Store. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Purple Psychology. I'm Marie O'Riordan. Thank you for making this podcast number one on several podcast charts with listeners in 15 countries on five continents. Dr. Nisha O'Reilly joins me. You're welcome, Nisha. Thank you. This time we're talking about learning styles and processing scales. Yes, this where it starts to get slightly more complicated, but I'm going to try and keep it simple. So we've talked about the fact that there's four learning styles. I also see those as four processing scales, okay? So this is the way that we take in information from the world around us, how we understand it and how we remember it. So one of the things that I get really agitated about is when I hear people saying we all learn the same way. And there was a famous TEDx talk recently that really wound me up. Okay, so there's auditory, kinesthetic, visual and practical learning. But what's really interesting for me is that we don't all use visual in the same way. So this becomes really interesting when I'm working with people with learning difficulties because I have a sort of, if you can imagine, like a mini rev counter and there's a reading as to how you actually use visual in your way. And for instance, there's big differences if you're dyslexic or if you're Asperger's in how you see visually. And it also makes a difference for your personality type when we come into this as well. And this is where I said it starts to get very complicated. It's like I describe people as being like onions and you have to peel back layers. So the personality element, for instance, there's one set of people that if you imagine all the little rev counters are set in such a way that you'd expect them to have some sort of a dyslexic spectrum condition. But theirs is much more complicated because they have a massive sensing element. And what I've realized is that most people with dysgraphia, a condition called dysgraphia, actually all fall within the one personality type, which I found really fascinating. So we've spoken about dyslexia in the series before. Can you define dysgraphia? Okay, so if you can imagine, right, if you got in a car and you had to drive somewhere, so we're, we're in Ireland, so you know, you're driving from one side of Ireland to the other side of Ireland, from Dublin to Galway, right? And if you did the journey several times before, you'd automatically know what it looks like. You'd know that pub, that shed, you know, that turn, that roundabout. So the more that you do it, the more familiar you are with the journey. So the first time, say, you did your journey, say there was no signposts at all, right? And you're going completely blind. You've no idea where you're going. And you'd probably get lost and it'd probably take you hours to get there. If you did it again, still with no signpost, because you've done it before, you get lost a little bit less. You might, you'll recognise where you went wrong quicker and you'd make the journey. Having dysgraphia is like that when you pick up a pen and you want to write on the page. So you don't have signposts in your brain. You're a really sensing person and there's a massive hurdle in you writing. So if I've shown you how to do something before and I give you the exact same task again, you'll probably do very well in it and you'll even get an A. But if I tweak it ever so slightly and I change the signposts or I change what it looks like and you don't know what the next step is, you'll probably get an F. Can you tell me a bit more about the visual side of Asperger's that you touched on? Yes. Well, one of the first things that's interesting about Asperger's is, is there's classically only about five personality types that people have that are quite often given the diagnosis of Asperger's. So that's the first point that's interesting. 
The next thing that's interesting is I don't really feel they all have Asperger's. Some of them are given that diagnosis purely based on their personality traits, not necessarily on any processing differences. But when someone does have a true um, diagnosis of Asperger's, they quite often have a photographic memory. So they take um, a completely clean visual image of something but they don't always understand it contextually, which is which is very interesting. So a person with dyslexia finds it really hard to spell. And sometimes people in the beginning with Asperger's find it very difficult to spell for other reasons. But a person with Asperger's can learn how to spell properly, but a person with dyslexia can't. They will always still make mistakes. And these are the misconceptions that we come across every day with people not understanding that everyone learns differently. Yes, and understanding the personality element of it. So the next the next part of it that's very interesting for me too, like uh, people might wonder why I'm almost obsessive about understanding personality processing scales and learning difficulties altogether. But it's very interesting when you put those three things in the mix because quite a lot of people who do personality tests who have diagnosed disabilities will actually appear to have a different personality, which I find really fascinating. So you'll get a personality type that's generally quite quiet. And if they have a hearing impairment, they tend to be a bit louder in people. And if you have someone who has a visual impairment who is actually very structured and ordered in their personality in, in the way that they think, they might appear to be slightly more chaotic in their life. And, um, you know, it, it goes on like that. People with auditory processing disorders don't always seem as structured as they really are. So it's actually the way that you see people and their behaviour and their actions rather than how they deep down are functioning inside. And those two, those are things are very different. So I understand that correctly. Are you also saying that someone who could be diagnosed with having a visual or hearing impairment might actually have a processing disorder? Yes, that happens too. One of the first things that classically happens for everybody that's diagnosed with dyslexia is they're sent off for an eye test. That's quite common. You know, about, about seven, it usually hits you're sent off for an eye but test. But technically, dyslexia is a visual processing disorder. Yes, but it's not a visual. It's not a, it's not a sight difficulty. In the way the rest of the world would interpret it. Yes. So it's the difference between how your eyes are working and how your brain is working. And it's quite often the same for hearing as well. Um, for, so for um, hearing impairments and auditory processing disorders, quite often you'll be sent off for a hearing test. What are your thoughts on concentration levels then? Well, this, is, this one's really fascinating for me because, you know, 90% of the time when parents come to me, their kids are not supposed to be concentrating in school. This is one of the first things that's picked up. And, you know, there's certain personalities that go really into themselves and they... they they withdraw almost and they, you can see them tunneling back in their heads and they're making things so much more complicated than they really are, okay? And they're not concentrating. They're spaced out. They're not doing anything according to everybody. They haven't got a clue what's going on in their head. Or, you know, you can take kinesthetic people um, who are quite often very high energy, need to be moving, can't wait for break time to happen, to go out in the yard and literally run around in circles and circles. You know, I, I knew a guy in school who used to do plane, pretend to be a plane at break time, you know, just to let off steam. There's all these different reasons why we don't think that people concentrate. Um, and quite often, um, you know, one of the things that's really interesting for me is that people with ADHD um, always take in information in all four ways. So they're taking in massive amounts of information and yet we call it a deficit disorder. It was a couple of years ago that you actually were part of a book by a health publishing company in the United States and you were chosen as one of their world experts in ADHD. 
Yes, and, and one of the things that's been really fascinating for me was that we actually had students um, in the school at that time that we were working with who we never saw ADHD behaviour from them, and yet that's what they saw in the mainstream schools they were going to and they were given a diagnosis of ADHD there, but we never saw any of the behaviour because of the way that the classes were structured and the timing and the fact that people were encouraged to stand up and move the furniture around and stand at the tables and write on the tables. And there was a huge amount of engagement with other students in the class and with the person taking the class and so on. And so they were getting to talk and they were getting to ask questions and oh, there was so much going on for them that we never saw saw them sort of hopping off the walls as what they were described in the classroom. Why does the world still think that everyone learns and processes the same way? I don't know. I, I cause, Because every parent who comes to me knows their child. And that's the one resounding fact that's come out for me. Every time I do my first initial call with a parent to set up a session, they tell me what their child's like and they're always right. Is it that a parent always has a gut feeling about their own kid? I think they just get to see their behaviour in in a in a proper context outside of school. They get to see what they're really like at home or what they're like when they go out for dinner in a restaurant or what they're like with, you know, their cousins who come to play and so on. So they get to see the real them. Um, I came across a really um, interesting and irritating Chinese proverb the other day. You'll like this, right? <laughs> right. What I see, I forget. What I hear, I remember. What I do, I understand. And my answer to it is only if I was practical. That's just one quarter of the learning styles. So what about the other three quarters? Yes, and what about the way you use it? Well, what about it? It's really interesting, actually. It's like I get people to try and build a three-dimensional object for me. And people who are very kind of structured will approach it by, you know, putting the sides on and then putting the next side on and so on, and so that it doesn't topple over. But people in particular who are sensing, they might not necessarily be any less practical or three-dimensional in the way that they think, but they'll sort of try to randomly put all the legs on and it wobbles all over the place and they have a great deal of difficulty in putting it <laughs> together, but it, they are still thinking about it in a practical way. They just go about it completely differently. They still end up with the box, it just takes twice as long. Whereas the perception is that every child will make the box in the same way in the same time. Yes, and then there's some people who don't ever make a box for me. They purely think in a 2D lateral way, and they're much better at reading. But there's nothing wrong with that. No, they're very lucky. They can always read and spell, and I can't. I love your honesty. It must have been difficult to be so brave. It's not really brave. I think you just sort of, now I realise there's nothing wrong with me, whereas when I was younger and, and going through school and all, all the challenges, there's always something wrong with you. And that's where we leave episode five. I hope you'll join us again. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Maria O'Reardon and Dr Nisha O'Reilly, thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you. 365 Success app offers a simple daily tip for a more balanced life. 365 Success is a one-year plan over six levels where a new tip is displayed each day. The people behind 365 Success are academic and creative life hackers Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, Dr. Graham Hughes and Marie O'Reardon. Discover 365 Success, available now in the App Store.